NASA scientists don't usually give a lot of credence when they hear stories about a mysterious cigar-shaped object arriving from another star system. And to me, the whole idea of aliens and flying saucers almost kind of lacks imagination. I think that any civilization that's that advanced wouldn't be building a little, you know, metal-shaped thing to travel through the stars. They'd probably be here without us even knowing it. And they probably don't fly around in little spacecraft. They probably modify space itself to actually travel in the distance that they need to. But sometimes you do see something in the sky that is truly mysterious, truly new. In October of 2017, NASA-sponsored telescopes picked up a truly mysterious object, a massive cigar-shaped object. And as it tumbled towards us, it was going at speeds faster than any spacecraft ever built by humans. It was the first time we ever saw a real visitor from another solar system. From PRX, this is Orbital Path, a show about the cosmos and our place in it. I'm Michelle Fowler. Apparently, it wasn't an icy body. This was a rocky body. It was coming on a trajectory that between the speed and its trajectory indicated that it most likely was not from our solar system. That's Dr. Kelly Fast. She's lead discipline scientist for NASA's Solar System Observations Program, and she's program manager for the Office of Planetary Defense. She agreed to talk with us about this unprecedented visitation from outside our solar system. I asked Kelly to start by giving us a glimpse inside NASA's Office of Planetary Defense. Back in 98, NASA established the Near-Earth Object Observations Program to look for these asteroids and sometimes comets that come into Earth's neighborhood. Asteroids are the rocky leftover material uh, from the formation of the solar system, and then comets are those icy bodies that uh, develop those long tails when they come close to the sun. But we want to know if they're going to come close to Earth or if one of them could possibly hit Earth. Asteroids usually orbit between Mars and Jupiter. They usually stay well away from the Earth. I mean, how do these objects get directed in towards the Earth? Right, we have the asteroid belt, uh, but some of them get tweaked by other planets like Jupiter, Mm -hmm. by Jupiter's gravitational uh, influence, and that can send them toward the Sun in in our neighborhood. We don't know of anything that's on an impact trajectory, but we want to keep an eye on them in case any of their trajectories do change. This seems very dynamic. Right. The orbit that the asteroid follows is very important. And uh, if it interacts with any other bodies, like making a close pass by a planet that would change its trajectory, or even the effect of the sun heating an object can actually affect uh, its trajectory. So that, that's sort of there, the point, isn't it? Yeah. That, that you know, asteroids' courses can be changed. And the way I've heard it put is that if you detect an asteroid years in the future that could hit the Earth, if you can just change it a little bit, as long as it would arrive... 15 minutes too late, right? It would miss the Earth. So you don't need to change it by much. Just take a spacecraft, just smash Mm -hmm. it into the asteroid, and that will either slow it down or speed it up just a little bit so that it'll miss the Earth by a safe amount. Right. Another technique is called the uh, gravity tractor, which would involve putting a mass next to an asteroid, and the mass of that spacecraft hovering next to an asteroid could tow it off of that trajectory toward the Earth and just give it that little nudge in in another direction so that, again, it would miss the Earth. And that's a sort of uh, technique that there would uh, be a lot more control. 
So you're scanning the skies every night for any sign of asteroids coming in. Do you remember where you were and sort of the story of what happened this October when you realized that something very unusual had been picked up? Well, uh, the Near-Earth Object Observations Program funds uh, a survey effort out in Hawaii called the Pan-STARRS Telescope on Maui. And the folks out there uh, emailed uh, us to let us know that uh, they found something. This uh, telescope measured positions of this object and reported them. And uh, folks like those out at JPL who do the precision orbit calculations looked at this and determined that it was coming in fast. When it, when it actually whipped around the sun, it was moving close to 200,000 miles an hour. You know, all the planets are going around basically in the same plane around the sun. And this was coming in entirely outside of that. It was, it was basically you know, coming in at, at a 90 degree angle from the, from the top of the solar system. It was falling in at speeds we'd never seen before. Yeah, that's the thing. That in, On its own, at first, that might not seem too unusual because comets come in from the Oort cloud, this uh, spherical cloud outside of that plane of the solar system. So seeing something come in from that direction in itself wasn't that unusual. Some of the telescopes, you know, they expected this to be a comet. That's what we were all expecting that. And they observed this thing and never saw that coma, that atmosphere that comes from the heating from the sun when an icy object is heated by the sun. They never saw that coma or a tail, never, never any hint of it. Apparently, it wasn't an icy body. This was a rocky body. It was coming on a trajectory that between the speed and its trajectory indicated that it most likely was not from our solar system. I also was, was a little skeptical. I heard about this and I said, well, how do they know? How do they know that it's actually something from another solar system, something that's been between the stars? And when I realized it was coming in that fast, that is so fast, it's not bound by the gravity of the sun. It was coming in already with the needed velocity to escape our solar system, and then it just kept on going. Exactly. But folks wanted to confirm this because what if there had been an asteroid that was native to our solar system that managed to come close to a planet and whip around a planet and like a, get a gravity assist, just like we do with our own spacecraft to try mm -hmm. to go visit other planets. But that wasn't the case here. And like you said, it was, it was very fast. And then there was the race afterwards, the scramble. Uh, astronomers were trying to get its properties. The brightness was changing a lot, bright and faint and bright and faint. And that indicates something that's rotating, that's showing us different properties, maybe light and dark, or maybe it's shape. And more likely in this case, it's shape. You were talking about extreme speed. This was also kind of an extreme shape. There's a, a paper out in Nature by uh, Karen Meach and her colleagues who measured a 10 to 1 aspect ratio on this object, meaning it's uh, 10 times as long as it is wide. So it is, so, it is in fact, cigar-shaped. Cigar-shaped, yeah. <laughs> but you look at the asteroids in our native to our own solar systems, the one that we've been able to measure, like by radar or by light curves, 3 to 1 mm. is about what has been seen from our solar system. You would expect it maybe to still look like what's here because physics, you know, operates the same all over the yeah, universe. Yeah, it, it should look like our asteroids, It should right? look like our asteroids. And it did because some of the coloration you might have heard, you know, reports of, oh, it was reddish. I mean, that, that's actually consistent with uh, objects in the outer solar system system and that have been you know, bathed in radiation from the sun. Obviously, this thing was traveling between the stars and has been bathed for radiation uh, with radiation for who knows for how long. So in that sense, it was similar, but the shape was so different. 
to see this, you wonder, how did this, this thing form? It, it, you know, it has to have strength. Uh, one thing about asteroids in our solar system, many of them are uh, hypothesized to be rubble piles. Essentially, everything is held together by gravity, but, but not very strongly. This object, the way it's rotating and its elongation indicates it's a solid object. So it's, it's, it's sort of, it has to be sort of rocky or metallic. It's, it's, it's actually rotating pretty quickly. I think I remember reading that it takes about seven hours to make one rotation. And, uh, and that's, that's really quite fast, so it has to hold together. So it's not made of lots of stuff jumbled together. Is, is there anything else we know about this thing? Some of the data are still coming in. Uh, some folks are trying to use uh, Hubble Space Telescope and other telescopes. It would be nice to be able to get a spectrum uh, to, to see that squiggly line indicating the types of light you know, reflecting off that object that might indicate something about its composition that we might just have to make do with the color. That's the problem. There's always more that we want to know than we can know, and it's getting fainter and fainter by the day because it's on its way out of the solar system. I believe by the end of the year, there's pretty much no chance of getting additional data. I mean, I, I understand that it was predicted that there might, there might be such objects. I mean, people were not, as scientists, you know, all that surprised by this. But this was the first. This was the first time that we actually confirmed there was an interstellar visitor, something from another solar system. This thing had formed around another star. And to think that it had been on this huge journey, we don't know how long it's been in space, hundreds of millions of years, maybe billions of years. And then it basically falls into our solar system at super speeds, whips around the sun, and then it's pretty much gone. It's one thing to know of a theory, to have a prediction. It's another thing to actually see it happen. And so to actually measure one of these things and to be able to confirm it is very exciting uh, because this thing has been on a journey for a very long time. Space is big and have these kinds of interactions with other stars probably doesn't happen very often. And there's the question of where it came from. And, and we'll never know from uh, looking at the trajectory that it followed and tracking it back in time. You look in that in that direction in the sky and you see the constellation Lyra and the star Vega but the star Vega wasn't there and those other stars weren't there and so, so we just don't know where it's from we just don't know <laughs> so that's that's part of the romance of it I guess or their frustration on the part of scientists now the uh, the telescope that found this interstellar asteroid was based in Hawaii. Like as you mentioned, it was run by the University of Hawaii. It was in Maui, and the uh, the asteroid got a lovely Hawaiian name. Can you tell us about the name? It did. Uh, the name is Oumuamua, and I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, but uh, the name Oumuamua means uh, traveler from afar, a messenger from afar, arriving first. And it's a wonderful way uh, to uh, honor the islands of Hawaii, which uh, hosted this telescope that first observed this asteroid. So I, I guess it's worth asking, you see this thing come barreling into our solar system. You know, it's coming in at an odd angle. It's going at really, really fast speeds. You know, was there ever any risk from this? Were we never any danger from this object? From this particular object, uh, no, there was never any, any risk, any danger. It was in the neighborhood, but it didn't come close enough to Earth at all to pose a hazard to Earth. And objects like this... Uh, represent a much, much smaller risk than asteroids and comets native to our own solar system. 
But I guess, you know, it, it is going to happen again. I mean, it, it may not happen for thousands or tens of thousands or millions of years, but we know that there are these large asteroids that cross the path of the Earth. Someday, you know, just by probability, we're going to be in the same place at the same time. Right. And I mean, it's actually happening all the time because there's always dust that's falling into the Earth. And when you see a shooting star, it's actually not a star. It's a small piece of dust that the Earth has plowed through in space and you see a shooting star, a meteor. So these things are coming in all the time. But then the, the larger objects, there's fewer of them. But like you said, they're out there. That's astronomer Kelly Fast. She's program manager for the Office of Planetary Defense at NASA. So often as a scientist, I get frustrated that people seem to emphasize the dangerous nature of space. You know, could we be toasted by an exploding star or blown up by a giant asteroid that hits the Earth? The Earth is actually fairly safe from such things, and it's not very likely that they're going to affect our lives. But it is also true that we live in a very dynamic environment in the solar system. There are things from space raining down on us all the time. We pick up about 100 tons of material from space every single day. Tiny little bits of comets, little bits of sand that burn up in the atmosphere that become the shooting stars. But even larger things, things that affected our history, like the giant asteroid that killed the dinosaurs and set off lots of mass extinctions. Like so many things, there's a destructive and a creative side, all kind of bundled up at once, sort of a yin and a yang. And yes, asteroids are dangerous and they can be destructive, but you and I wouldn't be sitting here talking about this if it weren't for those asteroids and comets colliding with the Earth. When the Earth was first formed, it was sort of a hot, dry rock. It didn't have a lot of water, didn't have a lot of organics that all of us sort of soft and squishy things are made of right now. Most of that arrived later in the form of asteroids and comets. You know, I like to stand by the ocean and look out over the horizon of water in front of me and wonder how many asteroids, how many comets did it take for that much water to arrive here on the planet? That water fills my body. The organic molecules, the carbon-based molecules that my body is made of, some of them very likely arrived on asteroids and comets as well. Now, the thing that sort of changes all that with this interstellar asteroid coming through is that I'd always assumed that all the material in my body came from our solar system. But now we actually have an example of an asteroid from a different system altogether, from another star. Is it possible that over time, some of those did hit the Earth and some of the atoms of iron in my body or some of the molecules of water actually came from these interstellar visitors? I'm no longer just a creature of the Earth or of our solar system. I am literally creature of the stars. Thanks for listening in on this episode of Orbital Path from PRX. We'd love for you to check out more episodes at orbital.prx.org. If you're curious about the slightly more local asteroids trapped here in our solar system, I'd encourage you to go back and check out episode 8, A Tale of Two Asteroids. Orbital Path is provided by the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation, enhancing public understanding of science, technology, and economic performance. More at sloan.org. This episode of Orbital Path was produced by David Shulman. 
Our editor is Andrea Mustaine. Special thanks to John Barth and Genevieve Sponsler, whipping out of the solar system on their way back to planet PRX. Signing off for now, I'm Michelle Fowler. A little bit of dead stardust.